Hey, Lena, welcome to the show. How's your day going? It is going really, really good. Thanks so much. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We are talking on completely different ends of the world today. Uh, this is a pretty intense interview. You're calling all the way from Tel Aviv. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. I, I definitely have a question as to why you're there. But before we get into all of that fun stuff, and also the heavy hitting questions about business, entrepreneurship, and all the other cool stuff, uh, we have to talk about what's most important, and that is food. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat, and what are you going to order in order to make your day complete? It should probably be concerning how easy of an answer this is for me. Like I am a big time foodie, but my favorite food in the world for sure is Thai food. Mm. Um, I don't know why I'm just obsessed with Thai food. And so like my fiance always, he's like, why do we have to go to Thai food again? We just need to eat it all the time. So I would go to Thai food um, and I would probably get matzaman curry huh. with tofu. Okay. Not bad. Are you vegetarian that or vegan or? Be awesome. Are you vegetarian or vegan? So, so I'm not actually. I was vegetarian and vegan most of my life. Um, mm. And now I eat chicken, fish, like slowly getting into it, you know. Nice. Uh, but I, I prefer to eat vegetarian most of the time if I can. I, and I can't imagine when, when you're uh, in a, a country um, that is the natural, like the culture, is it more meat driven or is it more vegetable driven in where you are? It's definitely, well, it's both. Meat and vegetables are for sure essential parts of the culture here, but it's interesting because Tel Aviv is actually the fastest growing vegan city in the world. Um, so in Tel Aviv, more vegetable oriented and the whole country, probably more meat oriented. Interesting, very cool. Well, yeah. so the, the first real question on the podcast today is tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business. And how did you overcome those blind spots in business? Yeah, I for sure had a few of these moments. We all have. But two really stand out. And I think that one of them that I'm going to talk about today was this realization that I was so lonely and isolated in my business. And that alone was preventing me from moving forward. And one day I was just, you know, sitting in my apartment, scrolling through Facebook, as we all do. And I couldn't help but notice that so many different entrepreneurs and influencers were collaborating with one another. We're doing, you know, webinars together and we're hiring each other as coaches and consultants and clients. And there was, there was so much uh, collaboration going on in the community. And at the time I was feeling really down because I didn't necessarily know the next steps to take. How do I scale from here? How do I diversify my revenue more? There were a lot of questions that I just didn't feel like I had answers to. And then I had this realization, well, maybe it's because you have nobody to speak to about it. You know, I was caught up in the competition um, and being so fearful of a competition online and not necessarily trusting anyone or wanting to befriend anyone. But once I finally decided to open up and put myself out there and actually reach out to some fellow influencers, it literally turned completely transformed the trajectory of my business from my income. The, these, these new people who I had just met were becoming my clients or my coaches or people I could collaborate with. And today are some of my biggest, best, best, is besties in the world. So I think that for me, 
the realization was that you have to put that priority of collaboration over competition mm. um, and realize the value that of relationships in this industry. And if you really want to get ahead, you know, surround yourself by people who are going to be incredibly supportive and smarter than you and challenge you to think bigger um, and really help you think outside of the box a lot of the time to, to get ahead. So when I hear the word collaboration, I think of many different scenarios that just pop up naturally in my head. Um, what does a collaboration look like for you? Um, and how are you nurturing these relationships? Um, how are you nurturing these relationships to become something bigger than, than uh, just a client and maybe like a referral network, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. So I've been able to work on some really cool collaborations over the past few years um, from webinars to master classes to live speaking events, all kinds of stuff. And in my experience, it's helped me in a few different ways. One, it completely expands my pool of potential clients. Um, and I know, for example, that if I'm able to collaborate, you know, at a live, I recently uh, spoke at a live event in Nicaragua, which was really cool. And while I was there, I was just able to meet all these entrepreneurs, really high performing people who I probably would have never had the opportunity to meet otherwise who then turn into clients who turn into my network who as Seth Godin says you know become the sneezers for your brand the people who will share your brand message all around so uh, for me it's really helped to my brand's reputation and opportunities that have opened to me opened up to me I recently got to teach a master class with uh, Gerard Adams in New York and leave them all behind and some really cool projects this would have never had the opportunity to have if I didn't have the courage to just put myself out there introduce myself and you know be open to making these friendships yeah it's interesting so it's safe to say that you provide an incredible service for coaching um, but you also in a way live the dream of speaking for a living um, was that something that you always wanted to do uh, when you were thinking about business when you're thinking about life and um, yeah we'll, we'll start there it's so funny that you asked that. If my mother was listening to this right now, she would laugh. She would be like, Lena, into speaking? No. I was the kid who could never, I would rather do anything than stand up in front of people and speak. Mm. Really up until through college, I was a horrible speaker. I had to like beg my professors, don't make me speak. Let me write a paper instead. I just couldn't do it. And then I realized that, you know what, Lena? You have to get over this. This is silly. What's going to happen to you? You know, our brains have this crazy way. I mean, but they're, they're trained to protect us, right? So when we have a scary thought in our head, our brains immediately jump steps at the worst possible thing that could happen if you go through with this. So I had all these ridiculous fears built up in my mind of what's going to happen if I actually get on stage. Wow, everyone's going to laugh at me and then I'm going to get fired and then I'm going to lose my apartment. My whole life's going to fall apart. None of that actually happens, right? So I just had the courage to not sign up suddenly for 10 speaking opportunities or put myself out there in 10 different ways. Just one speaking event, right? Like just one, something small, even with five people, fine. And then I just slowly started working my way up until today I'm pretty confident in speaking. Um, I love speaking and leading workshops in front of big crowds, but it's not something that was born naturally to me. So it's interesting. A lot of my clients come to me and they'll be like, oh, but I was never good at whatever this thing is, right? Or I wasn't taught that I could be good at that as a kid, therefore it's not an option now. It's not true. It just comes down to committing to step out of your comfort zone um, and holding yourself accountable to do it, but that's how you get better. Mm. So it was definitely not always a dream of mine, yet I'm so grateful that I got over it because it completely transformed my brand, my business. Um, and now it's an amazing opportunity that I'm able to really travel throughout the world throughout the year um, and speak and, and teach people about what I love to do. 
So yeah. yeah. So I, my, one thing that my mom always told me growing up as a kid is never ask a woman how old they are and how much <laughs> they weigh. So I'm not going to ask any of those questions. <laughs> However, I know that you're we're, we're both young, right? Yeah. And so you're a coach, and you're going out and you're telling people what to do and how to do it. And you're influencing these people to make decisions that are really important for their life and for their business, et cetera. Um, what do you think to, to the person listening that may want to be a coach um, like you, are there hurdles that I'm, or obstacles that you have overcame um, that allowed you to get to where you are today uh, to break down that barrier of age, to show people that you are a seasoned expert and et cetera? Yeah, that's a really good question. First of all, I won't tell you my weight, but I will tell you I'm 26 years old. Um, and that's a really good question. That's something that, especially the older generation, when I first started coaching and consulting, people were like, well, what do you know about business, right? And that's probably the number one thing that holds people back from moving forward or whatever they want to do is because if people are telling them that you're not good enough, you're not ready yet, you're not experienced enough, whatever it is, right? Um, I just decided to maintain tunnel vision and trust that I knew what I was doing, which I did. Um, I only had one ever full-time job ever, and it was a marketing position. I was there for about 10 months and I killed it. Like I was just so naturally had a knack for marketing. I didn't study marketing in school. I was a Middle East studies major. I thought I was going to go into politics. Instead, I had this marketing job. They paid me very little, but I was doing a lot and I was managing big brands. I mean, I was managing all the content marketing for the W Hotel in Israel and like lots of big accounts. And then I just had this realization why can't I just cut out the middleman, right? That employer. Um, what's the difference? If I'm doing this, this kind of amazing, really impactful work as an entry level marketer and I'm making this little, but it's actually really big work. Why can't I just cut out the middleman, that boss, that employer, and just work with the end client directly? So that's what I did for about a year and a half. I ran my marketing consultancy primarily with startups here in Tel Aviv, um, a lot of B2B tech-related startups, and I would just naturally had a knack. You know, mm. um, I'm I'm so grateful that I never really had trouble getting clients because it was just needed. You know, um, in this space, and but then I just had this realization eventually that I'm really not passionate about helping B2B startups. I'm passionate about serving fellow millennials and. When it started doing really well, a lot of fellow Gen Yers started coming to me saying, wait, I want to start my own business. I want to quit my job. How do I do this? And that's when I realized that there's such a need um, for teaching millennials that they truly are capable of achieving any career that they set out, any business that they set out for. Mm. If I could do this with so little experience, without having a degree, with really not meeting any of the qualifications that society lays out for us, why can't anybody else do it? So I started doing some coaching just kind of impromptly on the side, unofficially, um, and then I decided I want to take this coaching thing seriously. So that's when I really went all in. I fired all of my clients on the uh, marketing consultancy side um, and started working only with millennials, millennial entrepreneurs who were trying to build something that was bigger than themselves, you know, and really work for their own happiness instead of the happiness of someone else. Yeah. So, yeah. One of the hardest things to do in business and in life is to achieve your first 100 customers. Um, yeah. For somebody like yourself, you don't need 100 customers. You may not even want 100 customers, but how, what would you advise to the people listening um, what are some tactics, some strategies that you would recommend to achieve their first 100 customers? Yeah, for sure. So I have had a 
100 customers. Sometimes I feel like it's too can be overwhelming, but it's okay. I think that it's really different depending on which side that you're on. If you're on, if you're somebody, and I know that a lot of millennials are trying to do this, build a marketing agency or a marketing consultancy, um, that's kind of different advice than I would, I would give if I was speaking to somebody who was pursuing a coaching career. So on the marketing agency side, I would actually tell everybody listening to this right now, it's much easier than you think that it is. All that you have to do is identify the niche that desperately needs you and it's going to be a no duh yes for them. Um, and that was really fortunate for me because I was in Tel Aviv, a country where they speak Israel, right? So not only did, had I come from a writing background and a marketing background, but um, I spoke fluent native English, right? So that was a really needed thing to have a marketer on their team. So it was a no duh. So identify what is the niche where you know it's going to be a no duh? And sometimes that takes some searching, but you know, there's all kinds of interesting things out there that you might never think of. I have a client right now who is building her own marketing agency and she's specifically targeting pet related businesses. So like pet hotels, pet stores, things like that. And it's doing so because it's so specific. Um, and it's really actually easy to contact them. All you need to do is reach out, send them an email, and I like to break it down into a four-part email. Um, I'll run through it really, really quickly. Anybody can apply this, and I guarantee you you'll get responses. The first part of the email is a compliment, right? Just the first line. Hey, blah, blah, blah. I love your business because of this and this and this. If you can make it personal, that's even better, right? So let's say that you want to target local restaurants in your city or your town. Oh, I grew up at your restaurant. Our family went there every Thursday night together. It was so great. Something is going to get a business owner's attention. The next line is a little bit of an insult is what I like to say. I couldn't help. I was looking at your website and I noticed that you didn't have a lead magnet in place or the copy wasn't very strong or you don't have any followers on social media. Whatever your specialty is, call them out, okay? And then what you're going to do is you're going to give them 100% unsolicited advice. Like, here's what I would do. So not only are you bringing them down and being like, your business sucks, but you're actually giving advice, customized advice for free. It's not a generic copy and paste email. Um, and then I would just tie it up by saying I'm happy to talk about more you'll give me a call back I can guarantee you'll get a response nine out of ten times um, because it's customized and specific to them and not that many people do that so that's the advice that I, if you're looking to get like clients fast in the marketing agency that's the route that I would take um, if you're looking for coaches on the other hand I think that it's much more of a time and emotional decision for someone to choose to invest in a coach especially since it's at a much higher price point typically um, I charge much more as a coach than I ever did as a consultant on the marketing side. So given that, it's not going to take, you know, a one-time email. It's going to take building relationships that are going to allow that trust to develop, right? Um, and that comes down to community. So for me, I was really fortunate that even before I had it as a marketing tool in mind, I opened up my Facebook group, Millennial Go Getters, just to have a place for people to come and connect and support one another. Um, little did I know that it would really you know, be the beginning of the shaping of my personal brand, um, where I was able to get on, do live streams, share content, and ultimately get a lot of my first clients was through the group. Um, so focus on community, see where you can develop your platform and show up regularly, be consistent, prove that you can be consistent um, and share value that's of course engaging, inspirational, educational, all that on a regular basis and only then ask for the, for the sale. Hmm. So uh, would you incorporate any type of uh, digital marketing aspects to that as well? Because I oh, think, totally. I think like the one thing when it comes to um, cold outreach or emails or whatever it may be, um, it's good. Like, yes, you get a response. You might get a response, but to the one to 10% that doesn't, 
um, you, what, what is your follow-up process like? Do you have any, would you recommend any type of follow-up that says a couple weeks from now or a couple days from now? What, what is that process like to you? Yeah, for sure. So today, if you asked me if I had a client who had an established agency, it would be a much more complex process with funnels and copyright. Like there would be a lot more to it, but I'm speaking to the person who they're just building their business, right? They're looking to just get like their first hundred clients, their first, gotcha. their first client, you know, then take the easy route. There's no need to overcomplicate it. Focus on nothing replaces relationships, you know, um, yeah. and authenticity and offering that customized feedback. So if you're brand new, that's the route to go. Um, for somebody else, absolutely. I know for my business today, almost all of my leads obviously don't come organically from my Facebook group. I use Facebook ads and Instagram ads like everybody else, right? Um, PR is a big aspect of where I get leads today, you know, writing for Forbes, entrepreneur, uh, influence of all these different places. Um, you know, so, so of course today it's much more complex, but to be honest with you, I don't know if I always want it to be that complex, you know, in a year from now, I would love for my business to be simple um, because a lot to maintain it can be a headache and you know I don't know if it's always totally necessary but right now I'm fortunate that most of my lead generation is automated and um, it's what I teach my clients as well how to set all that stuff up so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the ideal dream that everybody wants is that automation of uh, leads naturally coming to you and you don't really have to uh, cast the net so much um, sure. so moving along to other aspects of business and life um, one of the most important things is mentorship. So if there's anybody that you would like to meet to further help your business, who would you like to meet and why would you like to meet them? Oh, that is so hard. I go through these phases. I think everybody does of like entrepreneur <laughs> crashes, you know, um, like who's your person now? Um, I'm really fortunate that a lot of the people over the years who I looked up to as mentors, but I didn't know them, I just saw them as influencers, actually ended up becoming my mentors or coaches um, or good friends. So like when I see a mentor, it's not so like me to just kind of like wash them up from a far I need to reach out um, I can work with them so somehow one-on-one -on -one because I just need to get inside their brain so with that said right now you know someone who I've always wanted to meet just because I want to know what she's like in real life is Amy Porterfield um mm. I just gotta know like she just seems so cheery and mm. like kindergarten teachery all the time do you think she's really like that um right like maybe you want to put like gum on her seat or something like that and see how she reacts or something like that. right yeah, I want to like throw something at her from across the room and see how she reacts. Um, yeah. Ugh, no, that's a good answer know. though. I mean, I, I, I can understand that because um, somebody who's, who's in very similar fields, you have to see how they're able to react in, in weird situations. So I can respect totally. that answer. Um, if she's <laughs> listening, uh, which I hope she is, um, you know, just let just may, let it be known that something will be thrown at you and be careful. Yeah, Hopefully Amy, I love you. Though. Right, yeah, but just wait. Right. <laughs> nice. Um, so you moved to, you grew up in America, you lived in America, and then you moved to Tel Aviv or the other way around? Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then I moved to Tel Aviv when I graduated from college. So you moved to... Uh, I mean, a, a foreign country other than America, right? Um, yes, and it has a ton of resources and, and, and amazing things that, uh, that, um, you know, that, that are given to you. But a lot of the viewership and the listener base is actually from America that I, that I speak to. Sure. Um, 
what is it like working in a foreign country? And are most of your clients in Tel Aviv or are they here in America? Yeah, so almost everybody exclusively is in the States, Canada, wow, okay. South America, and Europe. Um, I have two in Tel Aviv, but they're both Americans who also live in Tel Aviv. There's a big expat community here. Um, it's nuts. It's really crazy. I mean, you're right that it's not just a foreign country, but it's a foreign country where, you know, when I moved here, I didn't speak the language. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know anyone. Hmm. My, my younger sister was actually living here at the time. Uh, she was a soldier in the Israeli army, and so she was living here, and so I came, and I thought I would have her, right? But I didn't know how challenging it would be. So for those of you guys, if you're listening, who have not started your business yet, or for whatever reason, you're like giving yourself excuses for why it's not going to work, I built a multiple six-figure business from the Middle East, where I didn't speak the language, right? Like, where I didn't have any of this. So you can do it, first of all. Um, and yeah, it's a crazy place to live. It's interesting because I was raised Jewish um, in a Jewish home. And obviously Israel is a Jewish state, but these are, it, it, they're totally different cultures, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been challenging in many ways. Where like in the United States, for example, people are fairly polite. You know, you go to the grocery store, you buy something, the cashier asks you how you're doing. In Israel, like if you are going to walk into a grocery store, you better be ready for a fight. Like people are going to be pushing each other out of the line and screaming at each other. And for some reason, you know, the barcode won't be right. And so then it takes like an hour and a half minimum to get out of a grocery store, even like a, a corner store here. So little things like that are more challenging. People are tougher, you know? Um, but I'm really happy here. Tel Aviv is such an entrepreneurial millennial city. Um, everybody has a startup. Everybody's an entrepreneur. It's on the beautiful Mediterranean Sea. So it looks like Hawaii. I mean, it's tropical. The weather's good. Um, good food, good people. Um, it's a crazy life, but it's a really meaningful life. So we're really happy here. Do you find it difficult to manage the clients that are from overseas? Because a lot of people, from my from my perspective, they all want this like undivided attention. They all want this like, you know, let's meet in person, let's sure. let's hang out, let's let's get to know each other. Um, you know, how are you able to manage that lifestyle of uh, not having to meet them? Yeah, physically, so physically. Totally. So, so once in a while I do meet them physically, which is really cool um, at different events or I'll be in their city or they'll be in my city, like things like that happen all the time. Um, one of my longtime clients, actually, I was speaking at an event in Barcelona last summer and then he just happened to be there. So things like that do happen, but it does mess with my schedule, to be honest. If you are thinking about running an international coaching business or consultancy or agency, something that's going to require, you know, with clients all around the world, Time difference can get crazy. So most of my coaching clients, I only, you know, have three days open for coaching clients and they typically go from like 1 p.m. my time until 10 p.m. my time. Um, it's always the afternoon evenings is when my clients who are on the East Coast and the West Coast are available to speak. So, you know, in that way, it's a little bit hard because you know that all your evenings are taken up by coaching calls. On the other hand, you have the rest of the day to focus on growing your business, right? It's not like you're all, you're talking to clients all day every day um, so I find it's a really productive schedule for me for the most part and I was actually in California for the past three months um, we got back in December and so for those three months it was great you know we were on the same time zone like it really wasn't a problem um, so it just depends what you're willing to tolerate you know but for me yeah, it worked out really well yeah totally so the next uh, segment I'm just gonna go I went through your Instagram um, I stalked the living crap out of you no, I'm kidding. Uh, and I, I found some good photos. And I just wanted you to just 
you know, take a look and tell me a little bit story about what it, what it's like. Um, so this one in particular is you in Nicaragua. Yeah. So beautiful scenery, beautiful uh, photo. Um, yeah, let's talk to it. You, you, you spoke in Nicaragua, you were there on vacation. Yeah, it was the coolest thing ever. First of all, um, I have to tell you that that specific photo, uh, essentially, okay, so we were flown on this private plane to this private beach in Nicaragua. It was so crazy. And all of the hotel rooms were in tree houses. So it was like a treehouse resort. And then to each room, there was a swimming pool attached um, with this crazy view overlooking the water. And there's like monkeys walking around. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, I was speaking at an event. Actually, it was sponsored by uh, the podcast on the under... 30 Forbes channel. Um, so I was there. I was fortunate enough to be flown out as a speaker. Um, one of the women who works for me on my team was also able to come, which was really fun, um, who also lives here in Tel Aviv. And it was just surreal. You know, do you ever find yourself in these places in the world where you're like, how the hell did I get here? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about Nicaragua. I think if you were to ask me, you know, out of all the countries that I would ever want to go to in my life, Nicaragua would be like the last country that I would ever think of to go. But it was beautiful. It was serene. The people were fantastic. There were a hundred millennial entrepreneurs and influencers there um, really committed to self-development, to moving up in their business, to making 2018 our biggest year yet. So just being able to be surrounded by such inspiring and like-minded human beings within this completely tropical like paradise was just unbelievable and I'm so, so, so grateful. The uh, next photo is you on the VIP carpet of Success Live. Um, <laughs> you know, being on a red carpet or, or, or whatever the, the, that day was um, and collaborating with uh, incredible people um, and brands, uh, what has that experience been like for you? That was awesome too. That was in LA at the Success Live event and I got VIP tickets because uh, one of my good friends and mentors is Daniel De Piazza from Rich 20 something. And so he uh, gifted me and my fiance tickets to go with him in LA. Uh, and it was just the coolest thing. I mean, we got to see Brendan Bouchard speak and all these just amazing influencers who are all about like top performance, becoming a version of yourself. and. Um, it's just trippy. It was just a really cool day and it was a really cool trip. You know, we were in LA for probably a week. And then after that, we road tripped out to Arizona to visit my sister, stayed with her for a week. And it was just kind of like a few months of let's just go and see what happens. You know, that's awesome. That's really cool. This one is probably like a surreal experience. Um, you wrote in the caption something along the lines of uh, checking. It felt good to check something off your bucket list, uh, something yes. to that effect. Um, you know, Forbes 30 under 30 podcast episode, uh, getting that recognition. What has that done for yourself? What has that done for your business? Yeah, that was epic. So the podcast actually, well, there's many podcasts that are on the Forbes under 30 channel. This one was unconventional life with Jules Schroeder, if you know Jules. Um, and it was a big dream of mine for a long time to not only be featured on her channel, but to be featured on Forbes at all. So when that happened, obviously freaked out, but then being like the overachiever entrepreneur, like what's the next thing, right? Then I had to figure out how can I regularly contribute to Forbes now. And so that's when I um, applied and got accepted to be a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. And now I'm a regular columnist for Forbes. Um, So it's completely transformed my brand. 
in certain ways, in terms of my image. And, and the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of people tend to think I need to get into Forbes and Entrepreneur and Inc. to, you know, get in front of the right people and get all these crazy clients and get all these leads. I don't necessarily think that that's true. And I know that certain articles I've written for much lower level publications. In fact, there was one article that I wrote for social media today, hmm. maybe two years ago. And to this day, that article, that little article gets me more traffic than anything else that I've ever written. Hmm. So it's not about the publication. It's just about getting in front of the right people and knowing that the people reading it are targeted and dedicated to that industry and that niche and that they're going to follow up. Um, so to this day, almost every single day when somebody joins my Facebook group, at least one says, I learned about you from the social media today article. Hmm. So, um, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, this one's more fun one. Uh, this is <laughs> just like a really, I think you said like classy AF. I don't even know if that, if that's what you said, but it's something along those lines. Um, I, I just thought it was a cool, uh, it could be a good, cool story. So I would love to hear about it. You know, I wish it was a cooler story than it is. I think I was in Jerusalem one day with a good friend of mine and I was just parked there. And I was like, my goal in life is to have this motorcycle. Like I want, uh, I think what it says on the motorcycle, it says like classy as fuck, like classy yeah. AF is what yeah. it says. And I was like, I want a bike that says classy AF, you know? But I think that that's very much my personality and, I mean, I guess what's to be said about that, the reason why I identify it with, with it so much is because like, I am so unapologetic about being girly, you know, and about liking pink stuff. And I always got a lot of crap about that for my whole life. Um, for a long time, I kind of to be this like stiff entrepreneur who, you know, but the truth is that this is who I am. And like, I really like glitter and snooky and I don't care what people think about it, you know? Um, so yeah. That's I'm a guy it. and I like those things too. So no, I'm just kidding. That's amazing. I, no. You know what? It's okay if you do. No, I, don't no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't care for pink, but Snooky, I mean, I don't know. That might, that might be pushing it. You th Well, have you, but recent Snooky, I mean, come on. She's, she's the biggest I mean, she's inspiration an ever. Right? She's huge. She, that's what I'm saying. Right. Another books, proof. Speaking. It's that's the thing, guys. If you don't think that you can turn it around and create that's this true. empire. Look at Snooky. Snooky did it. Yeah. Okay. If Snooky can do it, you can do it too. There's hope for all of you. Exactly. Yeah, very true. Well said. Well said. <laughs> um, so my last and final question uh, is my personal favorite because it requires the most amount of value that you will bring to the episode. So no pressure. But the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast was created for individuals who may be temporarily blind in business and cannot see the obvious. Um, they're stuck in a particular headspace. So to those individuals that are stuck, you've given a lot of value already and a lot of advice. What are three more additional pieces of advice that you would give to those fellow entrepreneurs that are temporarily blind? Yes, this is a really good question. The first one that I'll say is that there is no reason that you should be trying to figure out this whole entrepreneur and business thing on your own. Um, we are so fortunate today to live in 2018, a time where we can literally buy anything, sell anything, learn anything, connect with anybody from the convenience of our iPhones, that if you think it's difficult building a business today, think about 100 years ago, right? So now, today, take advantage of the opportunities that you have to surround yourself with people who can really help you. You don't have to do this alone. And in fact, you can't create anything great or remarkable on your own. Um, so don't be afraid to 
to do what you have to do to get the help that you need help. If you need to find an accountability buddy, then do it. If you need to hire a coach or a consultant or somebody like that, do it. You know, if you need to join a mastermind or a group program, but don't try to do it on your own. If you're trying to do it 100% on your own, you're just bound to fail because it's too much for one person. So use the people around you. Surround yourself with the right people. Again, people who are smarter than you, who are a few steps ahead of you, who can help you, you know, prevent making so many of those silly mistakes, you know, so much of the trial and error. Find those people. They're all around you and it's worth everything. I mean, I cannot tell you how many coaches that I have helped me along this journey and I wouldn't have the brand that I have today if it weren't for them, you know? So just don't be afraid to truly invest in yourself and get the help that you need to. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Oh my gosh, this is really hard. Like it's gonna be like the three like best pieces of advice that I can give. Um, the second one is, um, don't just get clear. I mean, I think so many people are lacking the why in their business. What are the underlying brand values? And I know that everybody's read the book, you know, start with why, but it really is true. Stop focusing so much and going to your potential clients, pitching what you do and how you do it. Instead, learn to really articulate why are you doing it? Why does this matter to you? What bigger world issues is this solving, right? That's what people are ultimately going to connect to. People connect to people. They don't connect to products or services or packages or discounts. So get clear on your why now and put that at the forefront of your brand instead of anything else and you'll see how much more quickly your potential clients feel committed to you and trusting of you and will want to work with you hmm. yeah, so that's, that's awesome. the second one cool the third one has to be really good huh <laughs> um the third one the third one the third one is and this is really probably i'm sure a lot of people say this travel get out of your town, get out of your city, see the world. Um, I am, again, so, so fortunate that I was kind of raised to be a traveler. And today I feel like if I could, again, build this business in the Middle East, right, in a place that's totally foreign to me, I can do anything. And today we travel all around the world multiple times a year. And every single time we meet the most amazing people, we have the most transformative experiences. Um, and it always brings new perspective to the business and what needs to be next. So um, don't be afraid, step out of your comfort zone, go, you know, again, you're so fortunate to live in 2018, where you can go like Airbnb a place for three months. And you know, we're just so lucky. So there's no reason for you to be stuck in one place. You're young, most of you guys are probably not married yet, don't have kids yet, don't have a mortgage yet. This is the time to do it. Um, so go out there, get off your ass and go see the world. Amen to that. That's like a quote right there. That's a mic dropping quote. Uh, so I respect that. Lena, thank you so much for your time this, uh, this morning or your evening uh, to talk about your experiences and in business and life. And, and it really means a lot. So I really appreciate it. The next 30 seconds is all yours to tell everybody about what they, what you have going on, uh, how they can learn more about you, how they could be a part of your journey, become a customer, find out about your coaching, et cetera. The time is yours. Okay, cool. Um, all right, guys. So as you guys know, probably by this point, I'm a business and marketing coach for Gen Y entrepreneurs and influencers. I primarily work with six and seven figure businesses who are really committed to getting to the next level in terms of their influence, their income, and their impact. And we primarily do that through high-level digital marketing, branding, sales funnel, and copywriting training. Um, yeah, I love what I do. I would love to work with you guys. If you're interested at all, um, you can always email me, lena at lenaelkins.com. If you want to check out my website, my packages, awesome testimonials, all of that, you can go.
at alinaelkins.com. And I invite all of you guys to join my Facebook group, Millennial Go-Getters. We would love to have you. Awesome. Can you just repeat the, uh, the website one more time? Yes. My website is lenaelkins.com. Awesome. And it's all in the show notes. So people will be able to, to go in and find all the information that they need. Um, again, I really appreciate your time. And to those of you that are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to theblindentrepreneur.com for more interviews. Being blind in business is temporary, but I hope after listening to the wisdom of Lena today, you're now able to see more clearly. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Jonathan.